Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Exodus. Happy Wednesday, faithful listeners. This is your host, Jen, with the P40 Ministries podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this morning and for hanging out with me as we discuss Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. We will finish out this chapter of the Bible today, so make sure to grab that cup of coffee and your Bible so that we can go ahead and read this. But um, also, sorry if you hear a low hum in the background of this uh, episode. My air conditioner is actually running upstairs. It gets a little hotter upstairs than it does downstairs. So sometimes I like to have the air conditioner running, especially with um, with how hot it's been recently. I do enjoy the uh, window air conditioner being on upstairs since heat rises. <laughs> and um, it's a little bit too warm today, I think, for it to not be on. But anyway, let's go ahead and discuss this chapter of the Bible. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel in Repetim. Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out to fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with God's rod in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. When Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands the one on the one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until sunset. Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Yahweh said to Moses, Write this down for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under the sky. Moses built an altar and called its name Yahweh our banner. And he said, Yah has sworn, Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So the children of Israel are still sitting in this area called Rephidim. I think it's called Rephidim. Or it could be Rephidim. Rephidim. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just calling it Rephidim. But um, they're still here in this area of Rephidim. And all of a sudden, these people called the Amalekites come and wage war on the Israelites. So that's where I'm saying that uh, people from all over the world probably knew what was going on with Israel. They knew that Israel was out of Egypt and that they were coming back to Canaan. And the Amalekites, the people who waged war right here on the Israelites, would have known this because the Amalekites are actually a distant relative of the Israelites. The man who started the Amalekite uh, tribe, I believe, was one of Esau's sons, if I'm thinking correctly. But one way or the other, it was a distant relative of the Israelites. So the Amalekites actually should have been happy that the Israelites were coming uh, to Canaan. And honestly, if they would have been happy, God would have probably given the Amalekites their own piece of land to live alongside the Israelites with. 
I mean, God is loving in that way. And we do see him being loving towards people who are generous with the Israelites during this time period. But instead, the Amalekites were super angry that Israel was coming to the Canaanite region. So they go and they wage war against the Israelites. And actually, if you read, I think it was in Deuteronomy, the Amalekites, it's an it's another uh, story about the Amalekites coming and um, waging war. This was super unexpected. The Israelites did not expect this. And the way the Amalekites came, Amal- Amalekites, what is it? The Amalekites, sorry. The way the Amalekites came and started this war with Israel was dastardly basically it was terrible because they were killing the women and the children and the old people first because it says specifically in Deuteronomy that when the Amalekites came to wage war on the Israelites they first attacked the people in the back the people who were slower so this would have been families this would have been families with maybe large amounts of children or elderly people or people who were sick. So this was disgusting. The Amalekites came and waged war on sick people and on children and on women first. So this was horrid. And that is why God is so infuriated here with the Amalekites when he says that he's going to basically blot them out completely because they came and for no reason came and tried to destroy Israel and did it in the worst way that they could possibly do it. The most, the most unthinkable, disgusting way that they could do that. And that's what God mentions in Deuteronomy. When the Amalekites came and waged war, God said specifically, do you remember how they attacked the people at the back first? And that means that they attacked people who were defenseless first and people who were sick, old, or too young, or who knows. So it says here in verse 8 that the Amalekites came and fought with Israel. Uh, It was not in any way started by the Israelites. Uh, The Amalekites just came out to destroy Israel, basically. So it says here that uh, in verse 9, Moses says to Joshua, choose men for us and go out to fight with Amalek. So this is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. Joshua, we learn later on, is a great warrior, and uh, there's a whole book written about him. (laughs) After Moses dies, Joshua pretty much takes over the um, Israelite clan. So it says that uh, Moses talks to Joshua and says, go and fight the Amalekites. Then he says, tomorrow I'm going to stand on top of the hill with God's rod in my hands. So depending on what version you read, it might say hand, it might say hands. Uh, Most people believe that it's probably referring to both hands. So Moses was up on the hill the next day and he went up with um, two men. He went up with Aaron, his brother, and then this man named Hur, and with a U, H-U-R. And Hur was probably related to Moses in some way. Some people think that it was his nephew. Some people think that it was his brother-in-law, so Miriam's husband. Uh, they're not exactly sure who Hur is, but people believe that he was close enough to Moses that he was probably one of um, Moses's relatives. So it says that they all go up to the hill, and Moses was watching the uh, fight, the battle between Joshua's men and the Amalekites from the top of that hill. And he could see down and he was looking at them. So it says that Moses was lifting up the rod and he was lifting it up. And it says that 
he, well, Moses was kind of old by this point. It says that his hands got heavy. So that means he was getting tired. So he obviously takes the staff down and he, you know, rests his arms and his hands because he was getting tired, basically, from holding this rod up all day. And it says that as soon as he starts doing this, the... Israelites start losing the battle and the Amalekites start winning the battle. So Moses once again lifts up the rod and all of a sudden the Amalekites are not winning and Joshua's men start winning. So Moses is realizing I have to lift my hands up in order to allow the people to win. So the interesting thing about this is this was both a miracle by God. But the other cool thing about this was most people believe that Moses was raising up his hands with that rod in prayer to God, which makes a lot of sense because every single time something goes wrong, we see Moses crying out to God. We see that every single time something goes wrong. We see that with um, with the plagues in Egypt, Moses was crying out to God. And at the beginning, even before God sent the plagues, he was crying out to God for the Israelite people. He, we see that several times when the Pharaoh comes and when uh, there's no water in the desert, both times. And we see it, you know, several times where Moses is crying out to God to save his people. So Moses was probably lifting up that staff in prayer to God. That is the most likely explanation here. And oftentimes we see throughout the Bible that people raise their hands to God in prayer. And <laughs> we even see that currently in churches, you know, when there's worship songs, people raise their hands in worship to God. And this is something that actually God even commands us to do. So Moses was likely praying to God with the staff in his hand, waiting for God to intervene. So the second Moses stops praying in that way, and he drops his hands because he's tired, <laughs> the people start losing. So this is showing the power of prayer here, even though God didn't directly respond to Moses at this point in time. He was hearing Moses's prayers. And since Moses was the leader of his country of people, which is the Israelites, God was listening to Moses's prayer to protect the people. So Moses realizes at this point that he has to keep praying to God if his people are going to win this battle. So finally, it says that uh, <laughs> Aaron and her, who were up there with him, see this and they decide to help out Moses, which was something that they should have been doing in the first place because Aaron was also one of the um, leaders of Israel as well. And probably this her guy maybe was, I don't know, but he could have been also. So Aaron and her should have been praying right alongside with Moses. So it says that they decide to hold up his hands. And so one of them were standing on one side and the other guy was standing on the other side. And it says that they were holding up Moses's hands so that Moses could continue to lift that staff up to God and possibly pray over his people here. So this gave Moses some rest because his hands were so heavy uh, and, and tired. It gave him rest because his um, his people were supporting him. And this just shows that, you know, sometimes we do need support. We do need support from other people when we are going through uh, troubles and trials. I know a lot of times I don't like to accept help 
<laughs> I have a tendency to not want help. Like I, I want people to think I can do it all and I don't need help. But sometimes we need help. And this is a really, really good story of a time when Moses needed help and he accepted help when he needed it. So it's not wrong to accept help or to ask for help when we need something. So it says here that um, at this point now, Joshua defeats Amalek and all of basically all the Amalek people or Amalekites, I should say, with the edge of the sword. So they died. They all died. So then at this point, God speaks to Moses and he says to him, and this is the first time we see that Yahweh uh, speaks to Moses. He says, write this down for a memorial in a book. I mean, what book is that that God's talking about? This particular book that we are reading right now. Because we do know that Moses penned the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So God was telling Moses what to write in these books. And this is the first evidence of this, that God tells Moses, write down this amazing thing for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. And why would God ask Moses to do that for Joshua? Well, because Joshua is going to be the next leader of Israel. And God already knew that by this point in time. He knew that Joshua was going to be a great warrior and was going to be the leader of his people. So, of course, God was going to want Joshua to remember this uh, momentous moment of you know, defeating the Amalekites with God's hand helping him. So yes, Joshua was supposed to remember this stuff and God is telling Moses to basically train Joshua so that he remembers this moment. So he says that after this, God was going to blot out the memory of Amalek from under the sky. So we saw many, many episodes ago, <laughs> many chapters ago in the Bible, when God was first talking to Abraham, uh, back in Genesis, we saw that God had said to Abraham that he was not yet going to bring the Israelite people into Canaan because many clans of people that lived in Canaan at this point did not warrant destruction yet. But God said, when the people of Israel do go into Canaan, in after 400 years, that certain clans would warrant destruction. So the Amalekite clan was one of those ones that God decided at this point warranted destruction. And we only see God destroying cities or groups of people when there is nothing else that can bring them close to God. We saw God destroy the world with the flood. We got, we saw God destroy uh, Sodom and Gomorrah because they were so corrupt and so evil that at that point there was nobody righteous left, we find out. And same with the, uh, same with the world, actually. The only person that was righteous that was left was Noah. And then when God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, the only person that was righteous that was left was Lot. So God only destroys cities and groups of people when finally there is no one righteous left. So at this point, 
Clearly, the Amalekites are at that point, and God is warranting their destruction. So he says that the memory of the Amalekites are going to be blotted out. They're not even going to be remembered, and which is very true. I mean, we don't know about the Amalekites. The only, the only thing we remember about them is what is written about them very, very, very briefly here in the Bible. So it says at this point, Moses builds an altar and he calls the name of that altar Yahweh our banner. So depending on what version you read, it might say Yahweh our banner, it might say God our protector, God our fortress, but one way or the other, it, it just means that God was there. He was there protecting the people. So Moses builds that altar as a remembrance of that particular moment when God protected his people from war, from these Amalekites that were going to completely try to destroy them. And so it says, Moses says specifically to the people, he says, Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And we find out, I think several generations later, that the Amalekites do get pretty much fully wiped out, I think with um, the first king of Israel, which was Saul, if I remember correctly. But we'll talk more about that later. But friends and faithful listeners, this was Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16. I hope you enjoyed this chapter of the Bible and that you learned a few things. And if you did, please like it and share it on your social media platforms. Subscribe to the blog and write a review. And also go to www.p40ministries.com to download a copy of my 30-day Bible reading plan, which I created for you guys for free. It's a cute little calendar for 30 days where you can uh, mark off each day. And it has fun little daily things you can do each day that will make reading the Bible just really interactive for you. So you can get that at my website, www.p40ministries.com. And all you have to do is subscribe and you will get a copy of that in your inbox. But friends and faithful listeners, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Happy listening and God bless.